Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. What the fuck? I originally recorded this podcast episode on Wednesday night. I called myself being productive. Things are going well. I got two big projects off my table. I finally got feedback from the network, which, by the way, they were like, oh, yeah, it was great. What? That's it? Yeah, it was great. We like the character that you added. We like that we're dealing with more relationships than dating because everyone talks about dating, but there's not a lot of conversation about, you know, how to maintain and manage in a relationship or the stresses that come up in relationships. So yeah, it's great. I maybe sit here for a month questioning myself, doubting myself, which I understand they didn't do. That was me. That's an internal job. So yeah, they were like, we're still figuring things out. Okay. So that's off my plate. And then the merch stuff is off my plate. So I was like, let me go ahead and be effective and efficient and get this podcast up on time. Like we're going to get back on schedule this week. I woke up this morning. It's 10 a.m. in Los Angeles right now on Friday. I'm going to include the original commentary that I did for Wednesday. This is probably just going to be a long ass episode, which y'all swear y'all like long episodes. But I woke up this morning because literally this is what I do. I rolled over. I grabbed my phone from under my pillow and like I had all these messages and I was like, the fuck happened? I'm thinking there's like a disaster on the East Coast or maybe I slept through an earthquake. So everyone's like hitting me up to make sure I'm okay. Motherfucking Chris Cuomo. And I don't mean that like in the good way. Like when I say MF, I mean that in a good way. MF Michael Ely, MF Morris Chestnut. Motherfucking Chris Cuomo. I can't believe he did this shit. People were like, oh my God, I heard about Chris Cuomo and the first person I thought about is you. And I was like, really? When y'all hear things about Chris Cuomo, you think of me? The New York Times ran an op-ed from his former boss, a woman named Shelly Ross. She was Chris Cuomo's boss at ABC News in the early 2000s. (sighs) She said that in 2005, and I'm reading from the New York Times. Ross says that she went to a party in 2005. It was a farewell party for an unnamed colleague at ABC News. She writes, I was at the party with my husband who sat beside me on an ottoman sipping his Diet Coke as I spoke with work friends. She says, when Mr. Cuomo entered the Upper West Side bar, he walked toward me and greeted me with a strong bear hug while lowering one hand to firmly grab and squeeze the cheek of my buttock. This is colloquially known as he grabbed her ass. She says that while he was grabbing her, Cuomo told her, I can do this now that you're no longer my boss. She corrected him and said, you can't. And then she says she stepped aside so that Chris could clearly see her husband behind her. She says her husband did witness the whole thing at a close distance. She says after this incident occurred, after Chris grabbed her ass at this party, she said she and her husband quickly left. I was like, are we skipping a part of the story? Because we went from your husband saw another man grab your ass 
to you and your husband leaving the party? Was there no confrontation of any kind? I know Chris Cuomo was a big dude who does work out, but like your husband saw another man grab your ass and and did nothing? Nothing at all? No confrontation. No, like, nigga, what? On top of being mad at this at this dude, this my wild ass colleague who done had too much to drink or is feeling himself too much and has just decided he's gonna grab my ass. Now I'm pissed about that. My husband saw the shit and didn't say anything. Now I'm gonna be pissed about that too. I I can't get no peace at work. I can't get no protection at home. Like, oh, I'm gonna be mad. It's not the end of the story. So shortly after the event, Chris Cuomo did apologize. He sent a an email, which I was like, we knew in 2005 not to like document shit, right? Apparently not. Because Chris Cuomo sent an email. The subject line was, now that I think about it, I am ashamed. She sent a screenshot of the apology to the New York Times, by the way. And they published it in the paper, by the way. He wrote to her. He said, quote, though my hearty greeting was a function of being glad to see you. He says Christian Slater got arrested for a kind of similar act, though born of an alleged negative intent, unlike my own. He continues, as a husband, I can empathize with not liking to see my wife patted as such. So pass along my apology to your very good and noble husband. I just want to be clear. He's emailing a woman who he groped and he's apologizing to her husband before he's apologizing to her. We get to the apology to her. The woman actually groped. Not the ego of the man who saw his wife grope and did nothing. We get to her. The groped. After. He says, and I apologize to you as well for even putting you in such a position. Next time I will remember the lesson, no matter how happy I am, to see you. What kind of gaslighting fuckboy shit is this? And y'all know how I feel about Christopher the Cuomo. You know how I feel about CNN. They got me through the pandemic, the uprising, the four years of, of crazy that was Trump. I love some CNN. I have loved some Chris Cuomo. I have rode for him, even with the CNN scandal with his brother. Acknowledging the ethical conundrum and still being like, which I still believe. I didn't just say it because I like Chris Cuomo, but still believing like, well, it's his brother. Ross, Chris Cuomo's former boss, she says, quote, never thought Mr. Cuomo's behavior was sexual in nature. More like, quote, a hostile act meant to diminish and belittle his female former boss in front of the staff. She said that she felt that his apology was more like, quote, an attempt to provide himself with legal and moral coverage to evade accountability. So for folks asking, like, why now? Like, sis, this happened in 2005. Like, why? Why now? I'll be honest with you. I thought, why now, too? And I didn't think it isn't a way to say, like, well, it happened a long time ago. So, like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Like, no, not that. I just I mean, like, why now? In the sense that, like, I just wonder. I absolutely believe that your story is yours to tell. So if you wake up one morning and you just decide, like, I feel like telling this story today. That is a perfectly acceptable reason to do so, especially when it's about someone groping you or harassing you or being disrespectful to you. Like, yeah, you do get to tell that story. You don't have to protect people. There are people who let shit go. And there are people like this woman, Joyner Lucas, me, who don't. 
I totally get it. I have an email from the guy who sexually assaulted me in 2002. But he sent me an email the morning after it happened apologizing. I keep my email account from 2002 specifically because that email is in there. I may wake up one morning and just decide I feel like uploading this screenshot to my Instagram page. And I probably will at some point. It's on some real Joyner Lucas shit on some like you thought you could do that and get away with it which I'm not the only person. I know at least two other people he's assaulted. But you thought that you could get away with it because I was like, you know, some young 22-year-old writer and who the fuck was I going to turn out to be? Hmm. But ma'am Shelly Ross, veteran television producer, she says that she decided to tell her story because she thought that Chris Cuomo, is quote, escaped accountability with CNN for his involvement in managing the response to the sexual harassment scandal surrounding his brother. Chris handled that scandal like he was one of the good guys, like he was an ally. And Madame Ross, she says, watching how Chris handled that whole situation, it, quote, crystallized for me how Mr. Cuomo performs. So she felt the way. So she went and she dug through her emails and she found this and she decided to do a little write-up on it in the New York Times. She also added, she was like, I don't want him to lose his job. She said, quote, I hope he stays at CNN forever if he chooses. I would, however, like to see him journalistically repent, agree on air to study the impact of sexism, harassment and gender bias in the workplace, including his own, and then report on it. Cuomo did respond. He says, quote, as Shelley acknowledges, our interaction was not sexual in nature. It happened 16 years ago in a public setting when she was a top executive at ABC. I apologized to her then, and I meant it. I'm reading this actually on the NBC News site. NBC says that they reached out to CNN for a statement, and CNN directed them to Cuomo's statement, which I just read. Is there a man among us who is not sexually harassed or groped or assaulted, attempted, raped? Like... Who? Remember sometime last week we were talking about Drake and Kanye and Nas and and the woman asked me, she was like, do you have any conflict whatsoever given the things that, you know, that that have been alleged about them or that we know that they've done? Like, you don't have any issue listening to their music. And I said, one, I don't. But two, like, if we start writing off, like, all the men who've done some inappropriate shit, like, we're no longer listening to their music, like, we can't listen to anybody. And I said then, too, including the gospel artists. I thought Chris might have been decent. Apparently not. Like, I mean, in 2005, you knew better as a professional in the workplace to walk around grabbing people's asses. That's not something like, oh, it was a different time. I mean, it was, but it wasn't that different. You knew not to grab ass back then. I was in the workforce in 2005. I was young, but even as like a 20-something, I knew you don't walk around grabbing people's asses. That it was deemed culturally and professionally unacceptable. This wasn't the 1960s where like, you know, people just didn't give a fuck and nobody cared. It took, by 2005, everyone knew. Nigga. I wonder what CNN is going to do. Because Chris has one of the top-ranking shows on CNN, if not the top. But he's just been in a lot of bullshit lately. Between all the ish with his brother and the scandal that that caused, and now this following up on it, Madame Ross actually probably did him a favor. Because if she told this story in the middle of all that shit with his brother, CNN might have sat him down. Will Chris Cuomo have a job this time next week? Maybe. I don't know. Because he's a white man and like that throws everything off. Don Lemon wouldn't have been able to get away with this shit. 
Although Jeopardy did get rid of its white dude. But Chris is also a well-liked white dude. Nobody liked the dude at Jeopardy. I don't know. I can't call it. We'll see. Since I'm updating the podcast, because so much crazy shit has happened, I guess we need to talk about yeah, the Fugees. We can talk about the Fugees. This is a light one. The Fugees are back. I guess it's been 25 years since the score, which sounds crazy to me. The first CD that I bought for my car was the Fugees, the score. So I was really excited to see that the Fugees were going on tour. I saw that they had a really great show in New York. They took people's phones. So there wasn't a lot of footage from the show. All I saw was Lauren was speaking about the impact of the Fugees and how they traveled worldwide and they took hip hop worldwide. And I saw everyone talking about the Fugees and good times with the Fugees. And I wondered if the show started on time. I did. Because, you know, your girl Lauren, I can't claim her anymore. Your girl Lauren, she hopped on this latest Nas album and she was like, I'm saving souls and you're complaining about my lateness. Ma'am, you're a rapper. You're not a priest. You're not a minister. You're not a bishop. You're not a deaconess. Like, you're not saving souls. You're a rapper who hasn't put an album out in almost 20 years. Like, even Erica Badu. Like, she was like, I'm a singer, I'm a rapper, I'm a doula. If Erica Badu shows up three hours late and she'd be like, look, I was delivering a baby. I was bringing forth life. Well, I can't give you no arguments there. Because what is more important? Bringing this life, this soul into the world safely or performing for us? Erica Badu, two hours late, y'all, I was delivering a baby. You got it, B. It's not like you can predict when the baby's going to come. The woman calls you and says, I'm in labor. You got to go. I get it. Lauren Hill? Ma'am. So I wondered if the show started on time. And then I saw this woman ranting today on Instagram. And she was like, yo, it started three hours late and they only performed six songs. And I was like, yep, sounds about right. But then also I was like, you know what, lady? And I actually want to play it for you because... <laughs> we talked about New Yorkers and their, their way with words and, and phrasing. We were watching that Spike Lee documentary. Like, New Yorkers are just a special batch of people in the way that they describe things. But this woman was mad. She was like, it was a weeknight. Let me play this for you because this is hilarious. Last night was the Fuji's 25th anniversary reunion tour, whatever they want to call it. And they started at NYC and they needed to end it at NYC. Took them three hours to come out on stage. Showtime was supposed to be 7 p.m. They came out at 10.07. Okay. If that's how y'all gonna be doing this tour, child end it. Just end it now, because that was rude. That was very inconsiderate. Last night was Wednesday night, a weeknight. I have work today. Okay, there's no reason why I have an attitude at work. And I'm home. Who am I mad at? The Fuji's, that's who. And to make matters worse, they only performed like six songs. Six songs. Y'all made us stand up for three hours to come out and do six songs. I didn't pay for the concert, but I want my money back. Because while I was waiting, I bought a hot dog and something to drink. Someone wants me and I was back. Lauren, Proz, Wyclef, the backup dancers. I need my money back. I do. Mm-hmm, I do. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I feared that would happen. But this point, though, really, seriously, seriously? People who still buy tickets for Lauryn Hill performances, y'all just want to be mad. The woman has been late for everything for years, for years. And not like 20 minutes late, not like an hour late, but like three hours late. Y'all know this by now. If you still buying tickets to a Lauryn Hill concert in the year of our Lord 2021, she's been on this shit. You knew what you were getting when you bought that ticket. 
Or when you showed up for the show because ma'am said she didn't pay for the ticket. Like, you knew what you were getting, ma'am. Like, I feel you. I feel your frustration. But I also feel like you you should have gone in knowing you were going to be frustrated. I'm not saying it makes it right. I'm saying we all know what she does and she ain't changing. She literally said, I'm saving souls, ma'am. And y'all complaining about my lateness. You can't save a soul and be on time? Because my minister, he be on time. I be on my internet church. Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley be on time. Literally, his job is saving souls. He be on time. You can't be on time? Okay. It's no point. I could rant about it. I could be mad about it. She's not changing. So either you go to a Fuji show and you know it's going to be three hours late and you accept that or you keep your black ass home. Womp womp. Last but not least of our updated news, there's been some fallout with Jeannie and Jeezy. Not really them. Jeannie's ex-husband. I kind of saw this one coming. I mean, Jeannie and Jeezy being pregnant, they're a very public couple, so it was going to be news either way. But Jeannie very infamously divorced her husband because she adamantly did not want to have children. She left the with him part off of it. But they got divorced. And the ex-husband, or soon-to-be ex-husband, he quickly moved on. I don't think their divorce was final by the time the ex-husband, Freddie, got a new woman pregnant. He and this new woman now have two children together and are engaged. Okay. He's moved on with his life, clearly, sort of. Jeannie has clearly moved on with her life. She's married and pregnant. When Jeannie announced she was pregnant, people started going to Freddie's page and asking him, being messy, asking him about Jeannie now being pregnant after she divorced him for not wanting to have his child. She said she never wanted to be a mom. Really what she meant, we now know, she didn't want to have a kid with him. And that's fine. Jeannie said she told him up front before they got married, I don't want to have kids. He thought she was going to change her mind. She didn't. With him. In fairness to Freddie, in fairness, I too might feel a way if you were with me for 10 years of marriage, that the entire 10 years of marriage, I was married to somebody who essentially didn't think I was good enough to have kids with. I would feel like essentially I wasted 10 years of my life with somebody, was married to somebody, not just with them, but have tied my whole life to somebody who in retrospect, I now realize didn't really fully and totally love me. It's the truth. It's uncomfortable, but it's the truth. Now she's with somebody like she's head over heels with, like this is her person. He was the starter husband. I would feel away about that shit. I don't agree with what Freddie did or is doing. I don't agree with what Freddie said. We're going to talk about that now. But I get where Freddie may be coming from to some degree. I get how he could have hurt over this, even though it's been two years. Like People be like, oh, it's been all this time. You should move on. It would be great if everybody operated like that, wouldn't it? That's not how people work. So people went over to Freddie's page and they had commentary. They were asking him and Freddie said... I moved from trash to treasure a long time ago. Oh, Freddie. And he said he wishes Jeannie the best. I see how his hate jumped out. I might be in my feelings too. I also do feel though, like I would have tried to be more quiet in my feelings. Cause like you got a whole new woman that you got two kids with and you clearly got this like, you know, at the surface fragility hurt about your ex-wife. As the new woman with two kids with you, I'd be looking at you like, why are you with me? You got all this feeling for her. You still got some feelings. You still got some, 
there. I would, I would feel away if I was the next chick with two kids by this dude. I would. So people started reaching out to the new chick. His fiance, Lindsay Tool. This blogger reached out to her and asked her for an interview. And she said she wanted to speak because there was, you know, a lot of things that she wanted to say. And looking at this, it looks like it's from DMs. I'm reading this on the Neighborhood Talk. I don't see the name of the actual blogger that she was speaking to. I'm not sure. Hold on. It seems Alicia Choice. H-E-L-E-C-I-A. Choice. C-H-O-Y-C-E. Okay. She is the person that reached out to Lindsay Tool, the fiance, Freddie's fiance, mother of his two children. And Lindsay was just chatty, chatty, chatty. She told this woman and like lengthy, she went on and on and on. There's also a screenshot of what looks like a text exchange between Freddie and his fiance that somehow this blog has gotten a hold of. I'm I'm reading to you right now from this text that Freddie sent his fiance. Quote, I really don't think want you to do a show, especially if the host or show is in brown culture. So sad I have to tell you that, but they are so protective and can be vindictive. I don't want to see you get bashed or derailed or have them get you too emotional where you can't think clearly and say something that can be misinterpreted. I would feel a whole fucking way if some man said to me, like, I don't want you to get too emotional and you can't think clearly. Nigga, what? How the fuck did this text become public? Did she screenshot this text and send it to a blogger? Like, why are you outing your your fiance like this? Is she really this dumb? I I guess he maybe has a point when he's talking about, like, you get too emotional, you can't think clearly. Because this is clearly not clear thinking. That she seems to have screenshotted the text that her husband sent her, and then shared them with the blogger. She goes on to say, because she's still writing. This makes no sense. This is just stupid. She says again, she keeps writing. She says, I'm trying to figure out what to do now. I feel like I'm being silenced by the hate. I don't want to speak because a flood of messages like this happen every time I try to defend myself. I want to speak on it, but it feels like a lot of people don't want to hear something other than what they want to hear. I thought about approaching the red table. I feel like this is below Jada's fair. I feel like she'd have Jeannie and Jeezy on, but like to have on Jeannie's ex-husband's new fiance, I don't really see Jada doing that. And she said, the only issue is she's a strong black woman who stands for black women. I'm not certain she will help me or favor my side. Okay, yes, Jada is a strong black woman and she does stand for black women. Who's the black woman in this conversation? Because Freddie's new chick is a blonde white woman and Jeannie's Asian. I mean, she's married to a black dude. But who's the black woman here that Jada would be siding with? Ain't one. She goes on to say, because again, this woman is like writing like novels in this woman's DMs. She says, I'll be honest. I don't know the right things to say. I don't know if saying person of color or black is acceptable now. I want to speak the truth, but I don't want it to be turned into a race thing. Is it me? They're talking about Jeannie like she's black. I mean, she's a down-ass Asian girl now. But like, huh? This is weird. She says, I don't want to say the wrong thing ignorantly and get slammed when I didn't mean harm. My heart isn't racist. If you have to say I'm not a racist, you're probably racist. 
I don't want to fight. I just want to speak my piece. I didn't take someone's husband. There is so much more to say. She's still typing. She says, sorry to vent to you. Freddie wants me to stay silent, but he's also stronger than I am. He's also not being called the things that I am. He says, we know the truth and being quiet will hurt her more, but I don't want to hurt her. I never wanted to hurt her in the first place. This lady just went on and on and on with like a blogger. I mean, ain't no need to speak now. She said everything she wanted to say in this woman's DMs. So now there's screenshots and she kind of, to me, sounds, sounds crazy. But I kind of get why they're annoyed. Jeannie is the far more popular person in this scenario. And it does seem that these people have tried to move on. And then people are like on their page, like, you know, bringing this, this shit that has nothing to do with them at this point to their doorstep. And it's annoying. I think I said this about like Miss Jackson when Nelly crossed the stage to go hug Ashanti and people were like, what does Miss Jackson think about this? Like they're, they're broken up, but people were absolutely on this woman's page, like asking her about Nelly and Ashanti. But I think she's been broken up with Nelly, like at least two years. Well, this has nothing to do with her, but people are being messy. These two, at least are playing into the mess and giving commentary. I hope Jeannie and Jeezy do not respond. There's really nothing to say, but old girl, she's a wild card. I really can't believe she wrote that shit out to a blogger, no less. Her husband might have had a point about like, yo, you get emotional and do stupid shit. Exhibit A. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. God damn it. We got to go back to this Cuomo thing because in the process of me taping the first part of this and then editing the first part of this, I've been reading the commentary. Some of y'all have lost y'all goddamn minds. There are two major trains of thought that have emerged here. One of I should have seen coming. The other one, I'm just like, how the fuck did y'all get there? I'm reading those, the responses to the Cuomo story that we just talked about at the beginning of the podcast. We talked about how the woman's husband didn't respond. And I'm seeing people in the comment section talk about, well, her husband didn't make it a big deal out of it. So it must not have been that bad. And I would just like to, for the record, make clear that a man's response does not determine how a woman felt, feels, or should feel. Her husband not reacting to another man grabbing her ass, to me, is weird as fuck. That's crazy to me. That either he didn't react or he didn't have enough of a reaction that was worth mentioning in this story. Her husband and how he felt about it one way or another doesn't determine anything at all about whether this woman should be offended or how bad the offense was. And I would say clearly she felt a way about it because it happened 16 years ago and she's writing about it in the New York Times and saved the screenshot. She felt a way. 
The other thing that I see people saying, and this is one that I should have seen coming, they're like, clearly there's an agenda by the right wing to take out the Cuomo brothers. Yeah, that seems pretty clear. Like you took down Andrew. I think they thought Chris was going to tumble with him because Chris was advising him. CNN let Chris basically skate by. And the woman's saying, I'm telling this story now because Chris skated by with um, the, the murky ethics of advising his brother while reporting the news. I sided with Chris on the it's his brother thing. I'm saying this as a journalist with like a degree in journalism. It's murky. I sided with Chris, but it's murky. It seems to me that, yes, there is an agenda. That doesn't negate the assault. It's one thing if people are making up shit and being like, this happened and this happened and this happened and the shit really didn't happen. If folks go pull your shit and they find fucked up behavior and they choose to release the information for maximum impact, it's fucked up that they did it. Yeah. But it's also fucked up that you did it. So yes, there does seem to be an agenda of someone going after the Cuomo brothers. But they did fucked up things. You can't just overlook it and be like, oh, well, because there's an agenda and they're weaponizing their bad behavior, then the bad behavior doesn't count. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I, and I say this, and I think it's important, especially for me to say this on this podcast, because I've been so gung-ho for the Cuomo brothers. But you got to call a thing a thing. They both out here not even saying wild shit. I make a distinction between saying wild shit and doing wild shit. Y'all out here groping people at work or work functions? Bruhs, that's too goddamn much. I also see this weird narrative, and I know this is three instead of two. I also see this weird narrative of people being like, if it happened, if it happened, if it happened. The woman posted a screenshot of him apologizing and detailing what he did. From 2005, that would have been enough. The New York Times got a statement from Chris Cuomo where he acknowledges what happened and acknowledges that he apologized at the time. Whether he did it or not isn't in question. She said he did it. He says he did exactly what she said he did. People being like, well, if he did it, if he did it, he did it. He said he did it. What are y'all debating? I know you like Chris Cuomo. I did too. I did too. And we can't just sit around and pretend that the fucked up things they did are, are not true. That it's not a big deal because it's inconvenient with the narrative that we want our faves to have. But this idea, especially as women, especially as women, they were going to discredit a woman's story, even when it's a confirmed story by the groper. They were going to try to discredit this woman's story. I also see people being like, they probably had a relationship. She was probably having an affair with Chris. And that's why he did that. When there's absolutely no evidence, implication, hint of in any way. But just trying to like discredit this woman to protect this man who's admitted to the shit that he did. The man's a fucking pig. So is his brother. Make peace with it. Okay, now we can move the fuck on to the episode I recorded on Wednesday. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm in such a good mood right now. I'm on my, um, my second and a half glass of wine. It's Wednesday evening. It is 10.34 p.m. I usually tape on Thursdays, but I think I may be headed off for an adventure. So I wanted to make sure that I got the podcast out the way so I could give you a quality episode 
and also be able to run off guilt-free. I don't know where I'm running off to yet, but I just, I need, I need exit. In other news, there's so much. I feel like lately our conversations have been much more ratchet than respectable. Like we've, we've talked about Karen Civil and, and the alleged, and the alleged scamming. And then we had to talk about Nicki Minaj and her, her rants about someone's enlarged testicles and as a distraction for her husband and sex offense and rape. Like, that's not the kind of content that I like to talk about here. Let's start with some good news. I don't know if this counts as good black news. It was good to me. Did you see Method Man on Red Table Talk? the common way that I would describe him as being, you know, of the snack ministry. But I feel like to call him a snack is to under deliver. He's like a Costco aisle of snacks, cartons of snacks. He is a one man Costco aisle of like, what's the best snack in the world? Like for me, peanut M&Ms. He's like peanut M&Ms and Snickers bars. And like warm chocolate chip cookies and like carrot cake with extra icing. Like, I just, I cannot believe God has made such a perfect human. And he's like 49. And mind you, I've been in love with Method Man. Not just have love for. I have been in love with Method Man at least since high school. I remember me and my high school boyfriend talked about getting married. And in our fantasy marriage, we were going to walk down the aisle to you're all I need to get by. And we would sing and rap meth and Mary verses to each other. Oddly enough, he would sing and I would rap meth verses. I love that dude to this day. First love. Stay with me here. I have loved Method Man since I was like 15 or 16 years old. I'm 42. He's 49. He looks better now than he did then, which I say that. And then I kind of think about how he looked when I first fell in love with him. Half his cornrows unbraided and then like a blank eye. You remember that from the video? Like he was high out his fucking mind and he'd taken half his cornrows out. Like he looked homeless, but you could see the beauty even then. And now. Like what, like 25 years later, literally, he looks even better. How is that possible? Like he was on Red Table Talk and he was talking about, I don't even know what the fuck he was talking about. I watched the video like 20 times. Something about like moving overseas because like 90s rappers, the job opportunities were were going away. So he was traveling overseas And he decided to get his body in order, which I was like, thank you, sir, for your dedication, because I see the work. God bless you. God bless your genes. God bless your mama and your daddy. Like, good Lord. He's on Red Table and he's talking. Willow, she's out of it. She's always out of it. She don't really know what she's looking at. But Jada had her hand behind her neck like Jada was tuned in. And I couldn't be mad. I'm looking at the screen, looking at meth. The same way Jada is at the red table looking at meth. And I actually had the presence of mind to be like, Jada girl, Jada girl, you just got out of an entanglement. You just got back in good standing. Fix your face. Fix your face on this camera, Jada girl. I could do that. I'm at home. You can't see me. I ain't got no husband. Jada girl, 
You fresh off a scandal. You got a husband at home. You can't be on camera looking at another man like this. Jada got good taste, though. I'll give her that. Will August and clearly Method Man? Gammy was looking at him the same way, which I couldn't even be mad at. Gammy got to be what, in her 70s? But Method Man is, is full grown. He's 49. He ain't no child. But Meth turned to Gammy. He said something like, he said his inspiration for working out. He said he saw pictures of Gammy. She was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> I was watching this, and I was like, look, I know I see the look in Gammy's eye that she wanted to give it to Meth. And I was like, I think he might want to give it to her. Just saying, I'm telling you what I saw. I know who I want to give it to. If only, if only for one night. Let me take you home. Woo! As we lay, we forgot about tomorrow. As we lay. Look, look, Method Man's wife, you know what? I say all these things about Method Man and I need to say respectfully because that is a whole married man. And I'm out here talking like the lust in my heart is appropriate, like he's a single man. Let me, let me show some respect to Method Man's wife. I don't want no problems, ma'am. I don't want no problems because I remember what you said. Remember Wendy? I don't know why Wendy told this tea. Like it was like earlier this year, late last year, like 30 years later. But Wendy was like, yeah, I ran into meth once and he wanted to come back to my penthouse and like we spent the night together. And this was before meth was with his wife. Wendy was a single woman. Meth was a single man. It was 25 year old quote unquote tea, tepid tea. Cause you telling me about two single people that slept together 25 years ago. There's no scandal. That's no tea, but I, okay. Y'all had the sex. Great. Wonderful. But meth man's wife, like she lit Wendy's ass up. We don't hear from her a lot. We don't know much about Method Man's wife. I don't even know her name. I just know they've been together forever. I also know we ain't heard no scandals, no cheating scandals about Method Man. If he does dirt, he does it on the low. He may just do no dirt. He may just be genuinely a good dude. I like to believe that's the case. But I do know his wife will get in your ass. So I just want to be clear. I don't want no problems with Method Man's wife. I'm just on here talking shit on a podcast. I'm just, I'm lusting from afar. I ain't trying to break up nobody's happy home. I respect happy marriages, especially black marriages. She's from Staten Island. I don't want no problems. Jada needs not to want no problems with Will. I was like, ma'am, you were on screen. Do you know the camera's rolling? Don't you executive produce this show? You ain't had no control over the edits? Jada looked like she wanted to hop on the red table and bust it open. I was like, ma'am, ma'am, your face, fix your face. Fix your face, Mrs. Smith. Let's get another 10 years out this union. Lord, I didn't forgot the most important part of the show. Jada is turning 50. Happy birthday, Jada Pinkett Smith. She had a special 50th birthday episode. Method Man was part of the episode. And I was like, you got Method Man on? It's like part of your 50? Is that like your hall pass? Another hall pass? Because, you know, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go because I'm joking. I don't care. Will's fine. I'm fine. I don't care. That's not my wife. But no, Jada, her 50th. I didn't watch the whole episode. I just watched the part with Method Man because he looks so damn good. I just, I kept watching it. I was, I can't believe one human looks like this. What factory are they making you in? Like, and, and this is vintage material. I was like, are there more? Are there more that are like, you know, that came off this line that are preserved this way? Like, I would like one of these for my own. I told you about my crush who's not black. He's Latino, but doesn't speak Spanish. And he's like my complexion, but he doesn't consider himself any kinds of black. And 
he won't take the COVID vaccine. He has like a whole conspiracy. And I was like, oh my God, how can you be this beautiful and have the abs that you do and think this way? It's just, it'll never happen. We'll talk about that another day, whatever. Um, Tony Braxton, Tony Braxton, who also, she's like, she looks freaking amazing too. Tony Braxton be posting up in thongs on a regular basis on her Instagram. And I can't even be mad at it. Like she's like 50 and change in a thong and looks amazing. Like she absolutely should have on a thong because she has a body for a thong. And if I had a body like that, I too would have on a thong. Look, y'all, I might get some work done. I'm just letting y'all know. Not like too much, but just like some some freshening. Just so I can look like my my best version of like my 35-year-old self. Like, you know, for the next 10 years. It's going to be subtle and it's going to be good work. I'm going to get it done in the States. I'm not going overseas. But I'm just letting y'all know. Like, I be looking at like Tony and, and Jada and Meth. And I be like, look, I don't know if I can achieve that. I do vegan like three times a week. But I was just like, I, I got other habits. I'm drinking wine right now, FYI. I got other habits that I just can't let go. And I was like, I need the help of like a good surgeon to to get me at my best. So when y'all see me looking like, you know, whoo, damn, just know I paid good money for that shit. And y'all can totally be like, oh my gosh, that bitch got work done. But it's good work though. I don't care if you think I got work done. Just acknowledge the work is good. This is all I'm saying. Tony Braxton, I have no idea whether she got work done or not. But Tony looks fucking amazing. And Tony sang happy birthday to Jada Pinkett Smith. You know how Tony, she can't just like sing like happy birthday. Like everything she does, happy birthday to you. It's very like sultry. It's like Marilyn Monroe with like some soul to it. She gave much happy birthday. She ain't got no hair either. Because Jada's very bald, and then Willow's very bald, and then Gammy has very short hair. And I was like, hey, none of y'all got like a lick of hair. Y'all just as cute as y'all can be, too. There was no point to that. Tony Braxton sounded amazing, looked amazing, and happy birthday, Jada Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. And stop lusting openly over Method Man. At least while cameras are rolling. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Congratulations to Steph and Aisha Curry. Steph apparently surprised Aisha with a a renewal of their wedding vows, which I thought was very sweet and very cute. I like them as a couple. People used to love Aisha, and then they stopped loving Aisha. They gave Aisha a bunch of shit because she said she wanted a little attention from people other than her husband, and people got in her ass about that. And I was like, you know what? I get it. I totally get where she was coming from. Um, But Drake shouted her out on the latest album, gave her a little bit of redemption, so people are starting to like fuck with Aisha Curry again. They starting not to drag her the way they used to. So good for her. I hope she has a full redemption. She ain't do nothing wrong. She was just honest about her thoughts and feelings. What else is on this list? I see Wendy. Wendy Williams made my list this week. The uh, the season premiere of her talk show has been delayed by two weeks. When they initially they producers publicists at all initially announced that Wendy was not that the show was not going to premiere as scheduled they said Wendy had some health issues we all just assumed it was related to what's Wendy's issue she has something it's it's the uh, the thing that makes her um her legs swell up but then now sources i.e. people who work on the show are saying that Wendy is quote in need of serious help and she was drinking every day. Now, this is coming from the sun. Let's look somewhere else. Let's get another source. I don't like to quote the sun. 
Okay, here we are on Yahoo. It says, last week, Wendy Williams went to a New York City hospital voluntarily for a psychiatric evaluation after being diagnosed with a breakthrough case of COVID. Jesus, I didn't know she had COVID. Wendy's brother, Thomas Williams Jr., gave an update about his big sis on the podcast. He said, quote, I did speak with Wendy. She's stabilized and doing all right. He said, quote, I really do believe and have the faith that Wendy's going to make it. He did add that their one-year anniversary of their mother's death was approaching. This article notes that Wendy had Graves' disease and that the original start for the show was supposed to be September 20th, but now it's been pushed back to October 4th. I wish the best for Wendy. I don't always agree with Wendy and some of her takes on things, but I do want Wendy to be well. I want, I want Wendy to live and be in wonderful health so that I can disagree with her another day. Wendy's trifling ass ex-husband entered the chat. After the announcement that Wendy was hospitalized with COVID, and I believe the announcement that she was in a psych ward, he posted a picture of himself celebrating his birthday. And he said, so thankful to the most high God for all blessings. I tried to tell him health is wealth, not money. God said, they'll learn. Have a blessed day. Many people took that to mean that he was taking a jab at his ex-wife, seeing as how she was in the hospital, which I was like, sir, I'm sure that you and Wendy have your, your issues, like that divorce. He cheated on his wife for 20 some odd years and had a baby outside their marriage. I'm sure that wasn't an amicable divorce. That said, y'all share a child together, a grown child, but a child nonetheless. Show some goddamn respect for the mother of your child who's hospitalized. The fuck is wrong with you? Also, I think it's really interesting that he was, you know, he's talking about like money, like it's not a thing. And I was like, well, maybe it isn't because did you earn the money that you got in the divorce, the alimony? Did you earn that? Or you was just married for a really long time? I'm just saying, I acknowledge marital laws. I say this about Dr. Dre and his wife because they were married for 20 some odd years. Cut that woman a check. She was there forever. Cut that woman her rightful check. I don't think Kevin should have walked away with nothing. I'm like, but sir, you did walk away with a very nice chunk. Don't act like money ain't nothing after you fought to get something. Show some respect for the percentage that you were paid for work that you did not do. Come on, sir. Also, just taking jabs at your sick wife or anyone sick for that matter. That's just tacky. Sir. Have some decency. Speaking of decency... I'm so sick of talking about this shit just because I think that it should be an, we should have a baseline of decency and behavior that is considered acceptable or not. And it frustrates me very, very deeply that we do not. Earlier today, there was a segment on The Real. And The Real has been killing it lately. Like, they just came back for their new season, season eight, on Monday. And last episode, we talked about how their, their kickoff guest was Lori Harvey. And earlier today, on Wednesday, their guest was a woman named Jennifer. And she is, how do I want to describe her? Nicki Minaj married a man who is, a registered sex offender. And he is such 
because when he was 16 years old, he raped a girl, now woman, at knife point. And that woman did tell that she was raped immediately and she did press charges and he was found guilty of multiple charges. And one of them being attempted rape, which I think is a lesser charge because it's clear from this woman's story that it was, it was rape. Assault. There's four different charges. Um, but this incident happened back in the 90s with a girl, now woman, who he did rape is Jennifer. And Jennifer was the guest on The Real this week. And when they announced that she was going to be the guest, there was confusion from very many people. And I think people that clearly are not longtime listeners to this podcast, because we've talked about this before, because earlier this year, there was an investigative report on the Daily Beast, and they spoke to Jennifer. And she told them that starting in March of 2020, she had begun to be harassed by Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj's husband, and associates that they sent her way. And at the time of this article, she said that she'd had to move four times. She said she had to keep changing her number. She said that multiple people had reached out to her, had threatened her. There may or may not be a bounty on her head. She said Nicki Minaj had called her directly, that she spoke on the phone with her, that Nicki was like, oh, I hear you're willing to help us out. I can fly you out to L.A. to meet with my publicist. And in short, Nicki Minaj and her husband allegedly want Jennifer to recant her story of being raped by Nicki Minaj's husband when she was 16 years old. And she was 16 years old, I want to say like 1994, something like that. You're probably thinking, if you're not familiar with this conversation, if you haven't been following me on social media, because I've been talking about it for like the last few days or so, you're like, if this happened in 1994 or the mid-1990s, let's just say that, why are we talking about it now? Nicki Minaj marries a man who she is aware is a registered sex offender who had served time four years, in fact, for rape. She marries him. They move from New York, where, again, he is a registered sex offender. They move to L.A. When you move to the state of California, I think it's 10 days. You have up to 10 days to register with the state as a sex offender. He did not do that. He was pulled over in November of 2019. It was a, it was a traffic stop. They ran his license. They found that he was a sex offender and that he was unregistered. By March of 2020, he is still not registered as a sex offender. And the federal government, these are fed charges. The federal government charged him with failing to register as a sex offender in the state of California. There were also charges for the state. The state dropped them because there was also federal charges. Because again, we're talking about someone who moved from one state to another and did not register. Nicki Minaj's husband faces 10 years in jail for failing to register as a sex offender. So they had the opportunity for him to register between November and March. For whatever reason, they chose not to do that. So they get into this jam where now he's got these fed charges 
and now he's facing 10 years in prison. Their solution is to try to get the woman that he raped to recant her story with the idea that if she recants, then the case in New York in the, from back in the 90s will be overturned. If there is no rape case and his conviction is overturned, then he's no longer a sex offender in New York, which means he no longer has to register as a sex offender in California, which means his whole case and this potential decade-long bid goes away. The woman, Jennifer, her version of events, she says in March of 2020, various people started reaching out to her. So she told all of this to a couple blogs. And I want to shout out one of them in particular because the Daily Beast did this big story where it blew up. And that's how I found out about it. But there were some black women, two at least that I know of, who were on the ground and doing the work. One of them, (laughs) I love her name, Nosy Ho Live Blogs. She had one of the first interviews with Jennifer, I believe in late 2019. So if Daily Beast did their big story in March, I think she had it in 2019. There's also a woman who operates a blog called Daytime Tea Time. She also had the story before the Daily Beast. I just want to acknowledge those two black women who started talking about this before everyone else did. This woman has been telling her story about being harassed by Nicki Minaj, her husband, and associates of theirs that have been trying to get her to recant her story. So either in exchange for payment or threats of violence. So she's spoken out to different blogs. She spoke to the Daily Beast, and she filed a lawsuit in August for harassment. And she outlined all of the things that I just told you about Nicki Minaj calling her, about the people that contacted her, the people that have approached her children, that she's moved all of these times. This woman is in distress. And so she went on The Real today and she talked about what she's been going through. I really didn't want to talk about this story because this is not the type of fair that I like to trifle in. I like light shenanigans. This is very heavy. And the reason I decided to do so was because of what I saw as a massive backlash against this woman telling her story, against the real even, for giving this woman a platform to tell her story. Because people were very much like, and I'll just give you an overview of the commentary that I saw. People were like, well, why is the real doing this? They're talking about like a 20-something-year-old rape case. No, they're talking about a woman who was raped 20 years ago, who survived that rape, the, the perpetrator of such who served time in prison because he was found guilty of said rape. But that man and his wife and their associates began to harass her last year, which makes this a very fresh story. She's not talking about something that happened 20 years ago. She's talking about harassment that began last year and has persisted into this year. That's why she's on the reel. She's also on the reel because she filed a lawsuit last month, maybe like what, five weeks ago. That's why we're talking about it now because it's recent. But I also like to say, and I say this as someone who's been assaulted and and spoke about it at the time that it happened, wrote about it in a book 10 years ago. It happened maybe 20 and I told everyone that I could think of at the time because I was really fucked up about it. Like there is no 
time limit on getting over being assaulted. There is no time limit on talking about your assault. It it happened to you. It's part of your life story. If you want to tell it, then fuck it. I'd like to say that people who don't want to be talked about negatively, you should have behaved better so that people didn't have negative shit to say. That applies to rapists. That also applies to me. I'm an asshole sometimes. People got plenty of stories. I'm also fucking amazing. I'll tell you one thing people ain't got stories about, though. You got stories about me cursing folks out. You ain't got stories about me raping nobody because I don't rape. Stank? Yeah. Rape? No. And a lot of dudes don't have rape stories. A lot of dudes do, too. But a lot of dudes don't because they just don't rape. They believe in enthusiastic consent. Those people do exist. There's a lot of people that like walk a gray line. They're not really sure. This dude, Nikki's husband, he held a girl because he was a boy at the time. They're both 16. I acknowledge that they were young at the time. At 16, you're old enough to know not to put a fucking knife up on somebody to rape them. That's some sick shit. Sue Nikki Minaj chose their husband. She's okay with, you know, him having a raping past. She wants to pass it off as like he's a kid at the time. I don't know what he told her to make her think that that was acceptable. I can, I can wrap my mind around a lot. The Latino who doesn't speak Spanish, I work with you. The whole you're as brown as me, but you don't acknowledge the black in you. That's weird, but I also understand that that's cultural. The vaccine thing is the one that really I'd be like, you fine as fuck. I really don't know if I could date you. I'm not even sure you want to date me, but that's the one that gives me great pause. But if that dude told me that like, yeah, like when I was 16, like I raped somebody and I'm a registered sex offender. Nah, bruh. You got to have some fucking values. Like, I'm all for there is grace for those that seek it. Give folks grace. That doesn't mean fuck them, marry them, reproduce with them. You're Nicki fucking Minaj. You're considered one of the most beautiful women alive. A sex offender, sis? Single wasn't a better option? You couldn't find no random dude to impregnate you that wasn't a sex offender? Because a man is broke. He's a hood dude from Queens. He was broke in comparison. There's 50 million of those. You couldn't find just one that wasn't a sex offender? It wasn't even about the genes because the baby looked just like her. It's a beautiful baby. That's a gorgeous baby. You weren't even looking for a dude for the genes. You got strong genes, sis. Your genes overpower his. Let me be clear. I married a mofo I had no business marrying. I want to be clear. I'm not talking about other people's shit and not acknowledging my own. He wasn't no sex offender. He had other issues. But issues nonetheless. I'm acknowledging. Sis, we all make mistakes. You got to fix this shit. Now I got in and out without a baby. You got a baby? Keep the baby. You ain't got to pay him child support. You'll be fine. But sis, you can't go on like this. You had an amazing career. You broke records for your career. You're not going to be remembered for none of that. You're going to be remembered as like for being married to a sexual predator and trying to harass another woman to protect a sexual predator. Sis, you got issues here that need to be addressed expeditiously, to use a Mike Tyson word. Like, this is not okay. You looking crazy out here, man. Ain't no dick in the world that good. I don't care what it does. I don't care how big it is. I don't, I don't care what the stroke is like. Ain't no dick in the world worth this. Like, you, you're losing all that you worked for. If it makes you feel safe, it's other people that do that, sis. Ain't the only one. It's other people that will do that without these complications. Especially broke niggas. Because it's not like he coming to the table with a whole bunch of things. Like a Prince Harry. Like, it's only like, you know, a couple people who are like, you know, 
sixth in line for the crown or some shit. Like he's he's not upgrading your way of life. He's not like introducing you to like seven wonders of the world, some shit you never seen. Like you you doing all that woman to woman. As a woman who fucked up and had to fix it, you can fix this. Don't don't sink your battleship fucking with a derelict nigga. There is nothing faster. And this is not to Nikki. This is to every woman listening. I hope this is not your case. I hope you receive this as a warning or this is a reminder. There is nothing that can more swiftly create a woman's downfall than a woman, excuse my language, fucking with the wrong nigga. You could literally murder someone and not take the L that you would fucking with the wrong nigga. There's nothing more swift for a woman's downfall than being involved with the wrong man. I hope first and foremost that that Jennifer, this woman who is being harassed, allegedly, I hope she's okay. And I hope she gets a therapist because she seems like she just has a, a lot on her shoulders. I hope she gets justice. I think I wished that last week with, the, with this Kev, Karen Civil situation. This Karen Civil and, and, and Jason Lee and, and Joyner Lucas. I think I wish justice prevailing in that case as well. I wish that here. I have a more heavy slant here. I mean, like, you know, scamming is one thing. Um, Jordan Lucas is rightfully upset. He turned out okay. I have to acknowledge that. Uh, Jason Lee, Karen Civil, confessed to shutting his site down. He turned out okay. Those are very unfortunate things. Those are things that, you know, obviously the, the parties involved wish didn't happen. Rape is, is much bigger than that. So I hope this woman is okay. Um, and oddly enough, I hope Nicki Minaj is okay. Because I think the type of woman that, that takes up with a known sexual predator, marries him, has a child with him, knowing that he's like, somebody's registered as a sex offender, especially with her level of, um, I was going to say her level of fame, but that really means nothing. I know tons of famous people that are wildly insecure, self-included, um, about my work. I'm secure about a lot of other things, but my work sometimes, I'm not so much. I, I get very like up in my head about it, which... One of the reasons I talk about it is so people who also feel it know it's normal, um, or at least that it happens, that they're not alone. But I read once that you, um, that you date at the level of your self-esteem. And I think it says something about Nicki Minaj that she would take up with a man who's a double felon because he got locked up for rape. I think when he was 16 to like 20, 21, something like that. And then he also got locked up for, was it manslaughter? Years later, but she was a a rap. She is a rap pop superstar with millions of followers and millions of dollars and worldwide recognition. And I think it says something about where she is in her her life in her head that she would take up with someone who's a registered sex offender and who's been to prison twice, like. I hope that at some point she has a come to Jesus moment about her choices. And I hope she has it before it's too late because she's, I see her clearly in a downward spiral. I hope she has a come to Jesus before she hits rock bottom. And maybe that's giving too much grace given some of the things that she's alleged to have done. But I don't like to see another black woman spiral down. So that is the episode for this week. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. If you haven't picked up your merch for Don't Waste Your Pretty, it is still available on DemetriaLLucas.com. We have the hoodies. We have the tees. We have the mugs. 
So pick those up. And then that Ratchet and Respectable merch will be coming your way in mid-October. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. I don't know where I'll be talking to you from next week. As soon as I'm finished talking to y'all, I'm going to go book a ticket somewhere over the rainbow. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you.